On this episode of Sessions, we hone in on how brands fuse their products with the cultures around them. Enter Stonetown, the quality coffee roasters who are known for making a cultural mark within the cities they are located. Tune in as we chat with Mallory Pilcher, their marketing events director, about the evolution of the brand and how the team has come to establish brand filters that help them resonate with their communities. Hey there, and welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and companies go from good to great. I'm here with Mallory Pilcher, so I'm very excited from Stumptown, the marketing director at Stumptown. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And so we always, in annoying podcast fashion, talk about our firsts. So we had like first like Skype podcast, first like international where we did someone from London. This is the first not recorded in L.A., podcast Ooh, yeah. i know right and we made it and we made it happen in portland um we're up here and it was it was really great to you know connect and, and get to yeah. come in so thanks for taking the time totally. so we always start with like three questions like quick fire just get to know you they don't have to be quick answers but the first thing is what's the last book you read i read the mother of all questions by rebecca solnit okay what was it about um it's basically a bunch of essays about kind of the the female in America today, and uh, and then kind of how we treat women as a society at large, yeah, and uh, all of the socio political issues surrounding that. She's uh, one of my favorite writers. And it was it was worth the read. Definitely worth the read. Yeah, it was heavy, but it's good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, second question, drink of choice. And we'll do coffee drink of choice because Stumptown, and sure. then we'll also do just drink drink of choice. Okay, um, I would say. I just drink my coffee black. Okay. Filtered, brewed. Yep. Uh, I like an Ethiopian coffee. Okay. But if I'm not drinking coffee, uh, any kind of seltzer water <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. any amazing natural wine. Okay. Love a good natural wine. Yeah. Love a Georgian orange wine. All right. So someone talked to me about Georgian wine last week. So good completely like just mentioned it and i was like that's a thing, that's a thing. but okay so worth trying i still haven't tried you gotta do but it. two times in a week i need to do it now yeah all right so last thing then what's the next thing you're gonna check off your bucket list um i'm planning to travel to india with my dad in april wow which has been on my bucket list since i was like a kid mm -hmm. um yeah we're gonna try to do it two weeks surprising him for christmas so oh so dad doesn't know he's checking this off his bucket list he but he's not. is he that has he wanted to go too oh yeah okay yeah my dad was like super into buddhism and the bhagavad gita and just indian cuisine and culture when we were growing up so yeah i'm actually gonna be like hey let's go check out the thing that you've been into for so long oh my gosh yeah. are you gonna get like a reaction video of him just like <laughs> burst, bursting into tears <laughs> i don't know he's i don't even know if he'll react that that crazy like but um I but, mean, it'll be it'll be good enough just okay. to present him with the gift. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thanks for the intro. Yeah. Um, I want to start really quick for the people who don't know Stumptown. Can you give like the quick elevator pitch? You guys totally. are everywhere, so if they don't know, I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast knows, but just in case they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Stumptown Coffee formed in 1999 here in Portland, Oregon by Dwayne Sorensen off Southeast Division. Mm -hmm. um, started roasting coffee here. Started uh, the direct trade model of purchasing coffee at source, which is basically developing relationships with people who grow coffee to ensure we're purchasing the highest quality coffee we can find. Um, that became kind of a gold standard in the third wave industry. So we like to think of ourselves as a bit of pioneers down that path, along with some of our friends. Uh, we quickly expanded to New York and Seattle and LA, uh, most recently New Orleans and Chicago with mm -hmm. cafes. We roast in New York, LA and Portland, um, and we are actively growing those three markets. So. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. We started the kind of cold brew revolution that you saw back in the day. That was my first introduction to awesome. downtown was, oh, they make cold brew. Oh, yeah. That was, and that was the first time I'd heard of cold brew, not iced coffee, mm -hmm. which now seems so, it's like everywhere. Yeah. It's And like you see like Starbucks pushing it and totally. like everyone pushes it. But in that moment, I think this may have been like six years ago yeah, or seven yeah. years ago at that point. I was just like, what is this? Oh my, it's like. Yeah. It's like froth, like nitro cold brew, where it was just like the best invention in yeah. my mind. It's so weird to think about, you know, back when we started doing it, we were like bottling it behind the Woodsman Tavern, uh, Dwayne's restaurant in Southeast Division in yeah. the warehouse, yeah. and just providing it to like the cafes here in town, and we just couldn't keep up with the volume. And you're like, oh, well, people like this thing, and like we should try to figure out how to like make more and scale this side of the business. and to think of where we were then to where we are now and our cold brewery and having a whole crew like making it every single day and it's insane yeah it's insane it's it's hard to see those things and i mean i think that dovetails nicely into the next thing i want to talk about which was you've been with Stumptown. we talked a little bit before the podcast but you've been here eight years yeah and done and seen kind of like a bunch of iterations of it. So obviously the brand's been around for like 18. So you've caught the, the second half, the second half of that. Yeah. Like what's the evolution been like in that time? I mean, even leading up to now, I feel you guys just like went through a packaging redesign, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think well-received, totally. yeah, it seems to be. Yeah. Um, so for you kind of, what's the evolution been like in that time? It's been really interesting to work at a place that felt so small <laughs> when you yeah. first started. And then because we opened up in these larger markets, um, we invited more people into like kind of the Stumptown family. And we were talking about it earlier, but that whole concept at Stumptown, that, uh, at least from the brand marketing team, that like the things that we push out are things that we build here as a culture first. So if you're seeing like a really silly video, that's because there's a very humorous side to the folks that work here. Um, if you're seeing some like crazy heavy metal band playing, that's because we actually go to those shows and like support each other doing that work. Yeah. Um, we're all artists, musicians, writers, creative types who uh, like to kind of create that culture here at home. And so it was really interesting getting to see that here in Portland and then watch it expand quickly into New York and LA and to like, get exposed to so much more outside of just our core Portland market. Um, that that to me was like, oh, whoa, you can you can transform your brand as much as you want. You can transform yeah. the company as much as you want, because it's like any living, breathing artist who decides to like get influenced by stuff around them. Um, I think a lot of 
Stumptown, like I think of David Bowie in a sense. Okay. And how like David Bowie yeah. was able to do so much crazy shit yeah. the whole like his whole career. And he was just this chameleon and could be anything he wanted, but he was always so cool and well respected. And I think that's kind of the way that I like to think about Stumptown and our evolution is like you're always transforming and morphing and responding to your environment around you and to you know how creativity unfolds in the places you exist um, but at the core of it you're always going to be like looking at your friends working beside you and going oh this is cool yeah. is that cool or yeah <laughs> what are you into yeah. is that you have such a good root system yeah. that, that you built how much do you feel like like Portland has influenced the brand do you feel do you feel like a deep association with the city like bleeds into what you do or do you and like you just talked about being influenced from other places but you still feel like it all grows out of here oh yeah 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 I mean I think that even just starting the company in Portland um you know back in the late 90s it was definitely a sketchier place to live for sure southeast division certainly wasn't like the state that it's in today um but even when I moved to Portland first it's always been a place for people to kind of experiment with what they want to do in their life yeah so and it's really really accepted and and like championed by the community um so you're really supported here amongst other folks who are also up to interesting things and you collaborate a lot with people um and you're always trying to do different cool things together Mm -hmm. uh and i haven't found that anywhere else i mean i'm sure it exists in iterations in smaller industries or within crowds of folks in certain larger cities. But in Portland, it's really true across the board. Like you definitely feel like you can come here and do whatever you want and you're gonna be successful. Like we're not gonna let you fail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, like it's really, it's it's collaborative yeah. in a lot of ways. I think people are, I, I think, and that's different maybe from other like other cities. I feel LA has a lot of that right now in the in the creative realms like in terms of if you are like a freelancer or you work downtown or like any like there's so many people who are willing to be like oh jump on this project or like keep you in mind for things. Yeah. Um and I and so we have like a a piece of that maybe not on every level but mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool to see whenever you can get that in yeah. the city. Yeah. And I, I also think that there's something to Portland that like you know, we're really influenced by nature here. We like to spend a lot of time outdoors. There's definitely um, more attention put on existing, not only at work all of the time. Like it's really important for people to have interests outside of their nine to five mm-hmm. or the thing that makes them money. And those things are almost weighted 50-50 in a lot of ways. And uh, I think that ultimately helps people's work more. So you see a lot more um, kind of organic, intentionally minded things happening from Portland that feel authentic and real and like true to that person versus like, I don't know, just just trying to solve the problem as best as you can. Like I feel like a lot of things that come out of Portland, whether it's like design or food and beverage, they're they're really rooted in intentionality yeah that's i mean and do you think that's a lot of what you want the people's first impression of stumptown to be so like if i'm if i'm in new york or or, or la even like someone's first time they found stumptown like what are you hoping is what they get from the brand 
I know it's kind of like it's kind of heady, but I'm sure you have. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a big part of our brand is about discovery. Yeah. And it's why we made like the stubby when we made cold brew. Yeah. Because it looks like this weird apothecary, like medicinal thing that yeah. you're finding for a cure. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what the hell is this thing on shelf? I've never seen anything like it. That everyone then copied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, you know, good on them. Yeah. yeah. We get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's like a, a level, I think, to discovering something that you've never seen before and being intrigued by it. And then that mystery kind of adding to the brand. Mm. So making sure that you're creating an opportunity for mystery to occur between a person who's discovering you, um, but then also making sure that you're like using extremely high quality products. Uh, whether that is your coffee or if that's like a mug or a physical object that you can hold. Um, I think that's kind of where it really starts to resonate with people is when they see that like, oh, this really thing, this thing is really curious to me and I'm interested in it. And then when I pick it up and hold it, I'm also like, I can tell that this is a quality driven item. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm more engaged with it than I would be like your average mug or your average yeah. bottle or your average bag of coffee yeah it just has that that extra something there that yeah. makes you kind of aware of that yeah and so for you i mean and maybe that that kind of bleeds into all areas of the brains the one the biggest thing i want to talk about is like how especially in your position like looking at marketing for a brand that's in a lot of places doing a ton of different things in a saturated market mm -hmm. right no no matter if you're like a leader in it just like there's a lot of people doing it um like how you make decisions for the brand and like how if you're saying like oh we always want it to be like oh there's that something special mm -hmm. like what's that kind of that brand filter you set in your head where you're saying like brands like Stumptown do things like this and you're finding what that this is mm -hmm. you know like how do you currently make those decisions you feel yeah it's hard because it's so case by case yeah and I think that's really there isn't like a cookie cutter way no yeah which is kind of the thing that's it like i guess that's the point yeah yeah, yeah. you kind of can't go like well we're going to use this filter for grocery or we're going to use this filter for this you know new wholesale customer we're onboarding like i'm gonna approach nike in a totally different way than i approach cc motorcycles in a mm -hmm. totally different way than i approach whole foods yeah like i'm not gonna they're not all the same and the relationship is different and so i think that's kind of where it starts it's like mm -hmm. what's our What's our relationship to this brand, to this partner? Who is going to be interacting with us? What do they care about? How does that resonate with what we care about? And how can we amplify that message to make sure that they're hearing the message that we want them to hear so that we're communicating the right thing to them that is also the same thing that matters to us. Yeah, and how, how much are you guys balancing like talking about who you are as a brand, like Stumptown level and then like the product level i feel like there's always this this um desire in coffee where it's like you can you can put out so many different roasts and origins mm -hmm. and and you guys do a really good job with me with um like the the bigger packaged uh like the cold brews that you put out at christmas i can't remember the name right now but sure. yeah right you'll do like a lot of different things and how do you balance telling those stories with your brand story mm -hmm. and not feel like you're getting to like a product 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 all the time totally it's hard because in coffee um not even just with cold brew but with like whole bean coffee we carry you know over 50 of 
them a year and see mm-hmm. the origins, plus our blends, plus special things that we do that are one-off for, you know, e-commerce or whatever. Yeah. So in that sense, you're like, we already started with the knowledge that like, oh Jesus, we have a shit ton of products, mm-hmm. AKA coffees. Like it's going to be hard to kind of tell these stories one right after the other. Yeah. So I think we kind of automatically were set up with the knowledge that, okay, we're going to be spewing out quite a ton of uh, stuff over the course of time. And then with cold brew, I think that's where we get to be really playful and innovative and weird. That's where we get to be like the weirdest form of ourself and try a bunch of strange things yeah. and see how well they stick. Yeah. So winter cheer came out of that and saying like, oh, we should make something. We want cold brew to live on through the winter when nobody's drinking iced coffee. How do we get people to still engage with cold brew? Yeah. Oh, let's try this winter cheer thing. Okay, that's great. Um, then we opened up New Orleans and we had cold brew on draft and we were like oh how do we um make cold brew more interesting to people in a city like new orleans where there's a ton of cocktail Mm. stuff happening oh well let's make these sparkling cold brews and put different oh interesting and then that bred the sparkling cold brew in a can yeah and so it's always kind of like us solving a problem for when we're introducing ourselves to a new audience or introducing ourselves to like a new time of the year when we want to keep people working here yeah (laughs) you're like we want cold brew to still be functioning during the holidays yeah and that's so much better than being like than than building a product and like trying to find the audience for it and so i didn't know that about the sparkling in in new orleans is really and you didn't just go for chicory too you could yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. the um so to me like that that you also then do things like the grand crew yeah right so you'll kind of deal you service I don't know. I feel like, and I, I hate to just be like super over complimentary, but I feel like you service both sides of the coffee consumer where what you're doing in terms of like hairbender mm-hmm. or in um, what you're doing with cold brew is for like anyone who wants to try it, like anyone, any level, like palate for coffee. It's smooth. It tastes good. But then also you have like the true coffee heads only. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. The in, idea is like the gateway drug. Yeah. Like, what's the gateway drug to get people hooked on the really good shit later? Mm-hmm. And like, the top of the mountain is Grand Cru. Mm-hmm. And that coffee is expensive and it's deservedly so. Yeah. You know, we pay a pretty premium for it and sometimes it's $100 a bag. Yeah. But it's insane stuff that you'll mm-hmm. never believe tastes like coffee. And mm-hmm. you'll be like, whoa, I've never experienced anything like this when I drink coffee. Mm-hmm. We want people to get there, but we realize that's a bit of a mental leap for your average coffee customer. Yeah. Who's maybe been drinking you know, Folgers or Starbucks Frappuccinos Mm -hmm. or whatever. They've just, they're used to a certain flavor profile. So Mm -hmm. to get them to drink coffee black Mm -hmm. is like one hurdle. And then to kind of navigate the world of single origin coffees and talk about them in the same way that winemakers talk about wine, you know, we kind of slowly get there. Mm -hmm. And then for us with the cold brew side of things, obviously that's the easiest gateway because it's Mm -hmm. like, hey man, three bucks here's a cold brew mm-hmm. we hope you like it and it'll blow your mind yeah and, and it's caffeinate you the consistency of it there's a market by or where i used 
right by where I used to live. I just moved a little bit further away from it, but we went there specifically because they have Stumptown Cold Brew, and it was on on draft, and it was just the same every time. Yeah. And that's what you wanted. You were like, it's like kind of chocolatey, and if like if I want iced coffee, this is like this is what I need. Yeah. Um, and so that's one like one of the things I love about even that product is just the consistency that's there. The and, and we can step back from talking about just like individual coffees. What I what I'd love to hear about it, if you can talk about is a little bit of the thoughts behind the packaging redesign you just went through, yeah. which is wild. Yeah. Because you guys were doing bags that were non-sealed or how would you describe it, right? So you yeah. do, it was like they paper bags. They yeah. were basically craft paper bags. Yeah. And they had a tin tie, so you could roll them down and you know fold them on themselves with a little bag card. Yeah. And the bag card thing was huge, and everyone loved that because mm-hmm. it's like super clever little kangaroo pouch to learn about my coffee, mm-hmm. collect all the cards. It made you want it, like made you actually physically want to look at yeah, what was different about it. Experienced a thing with the bag, which yeah. was really cool. Um, so there's like some kinetic energy to exploring the the coffee, which is always great. Um, we knew we had to shift to a different bag because our quality coffee crew was like, hey, we can have a higher quality product for a lot longer period of time. Um, if we are able to put our coffee in a bag and seal it within a very short time window after it's roasted. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a testament to everybody down in roasting and production who's able to like churn through coffee that fast and get it into a bag. Mm-hmm. So we knew we had to change the type of bag and we are using this thing called BioTree. It doesn't allow for a pouch. Just for, they're not here, there yet. How, how close was that to being a deal breaker? That there was no pouch? Was everyone like, well, when they were just did. like, oh, there's no pouch, everyone just kind of stared around at each other. Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, it was like, oh, we're going to have to design a bag with no pouch. And I mean, that's like a little bit terrifying. I think yeah. it's a lot terrifying to people who are familiar with the brand that we then pitch out the redesign to these creative agencies um, because it is so coveted and so well known on shelf that like how do you compete with that but we knew we had to so uh, we ended up reaching out to land land boys mm-hmm. um, and they're based down in Austin and we've long admired their work they have a very uh, painterly found object kind of I don't know archaeological quality to their work that's yeah. like you would find it unearthed in a tomb or you know they're Dang. designing something that looks like it could have existed back in like uh you know the the great west yeah like just very old something that resonates kind of with like the very foundations of art in general yeah this, that's like a great way for someone to talk about you behind your back. That's like the ni- that's like the nicest thing that you could say about a group of a group of creatives. I feel like they're. I mean, they're pretty. They're pretty solid guys. Yeah. We we really loved working with them. Um, so we long admired their work, and and we decided to go down there and kind of pitch this to them. And they were of course on board, and we were like, listen, we've got all of these coffees. We have single origins, we have like eight blends. They Mm -hmm. need to look different than each other when they're on shelf because we are trying to combat the sea of brown. Like all brown craft bags is not doing anything for anyone anymore. So how do we kind of jump out a little bit more on shelf now that the market has totally changed and Mm -hmm. we're competing with upwards of 20 other coffee roasters in places like Whole Foods. Yeah. And so, you know, after 
a bunch of different rounds. They um, presented a few things to us and we thought about it internally for mm -hmm. weeks. Yeah. And then kind of landed on the final design. And there's these really great aspects to it that we didn't overthink or ask questions on. Um, like the emblems of the woman holding a horseshoe or a scorpion or yeah. a rabbit. People are like, what do those mean? And we don't know and we didn't ask <laughs> and we don't care. That's kind of not the point. It's like, it's the origins of art, people. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yes. this is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. No, but that's kind of the point. Yeah. It's like, and like we were talking about before with mystery. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to tell you everything yeah. about I'm going to show you what we're going to do. And that's kind of why it's so cool Yeah. because you get to form your own opinion about it. And in the space you make within your own head for what Stumptown is or who we are, that's more important than me trying to tell you exactly who we are as a brand. Yeah. So in a way we were stoked that they like went in that direction and we didn't, you know, we didn't ask a ton of questions about mm -hmm. it, um, but then they also just used an insane font that uh, nobody thought would be used in like a, you know, modern design yeah. Kobo font. I think people were like totally freaked out by it being on the bag. Yeah. Um, and it works. Yeah. And it's like this really cool thing where it's like this super lo-fi font that yeah. people are like, what is, why the hell is Hobo on the back next to this like super hi-fi, tricked out design, yeah. totally different font. And for some reason that all comes together and that's really a part of what is Stumptown. Yeah, and it, it's, it kind of speaks to in, in like the most like, uh, like woo-woo way of just like coffee, the one of the like, pillars of coffee is this explorer piece of it like you're getting it from like the corners of the earth that yeah. takes like a flight then another flight then a seven hour bus ride then like you know a pack meal to a farmer or whatever it's yeah. like and that those pieces relate to it like a super glossy version of of it isn't always the best no yeah. and like that that thing you're describing that experience mm -hmm. that's like what that is mm -hmm. that's like I'm sure you have friends where you're like, I don't know what I would buy them as like a gift for their birthday or for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I think this person just wants to have like a really awesome dinner or mm -hmm. a really great experience, or maybe we'll go on a trip to do this cool thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people yearn for more and more is like less kind of stuff that might look cool and more of an opportunity to like feel like they're having an experience. And when you're making coffee for yourself at home or you're having coffee in one of our cafes, that's what we're attempting to cultivate is that mm -hmm. experience. And we can like tip you off to that by subtle design cues or the way that we make something appear or by telling you some certain part of a story. But there's no way that I'm gonna be able to fully resonate how incredible it is to go to a coffee it's, farm. It's impossible. Like, I, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't even really do that that well with video. I mean, we all try, of course, you know, you want people to see the places where you're getting your stuff from, but unless you're there and you're experiencing that, um, it's not really going to come full circle. So I think that's essentially what we're always trying to chase. Yeah. It's like, what is, how do you cultivate that experience? And, yeah. And how do you make it, how do you make everybody kind of feel like they're having that experience. Yeah, it's that fine line between like, we do this great thing as a brand and we want to show you, and the idea of like, we're doing it, you're not. Yeah. Right, of uh, you've 
can have like some FOMO in that where it's like, oh yeah, it's cool that they get to go to, you know, Panama <laughs> or whatever. Um, so just two more questions. Sure. I want to be respectful of the time. Um, from a standpoint of like, let's say you had to start over as like Stumptown tomorrow, right? Stumptown's reopening like their first roastery or first cafe. Mm -hmm. And so like in the, in the mindset of anyone else who wants to be in coffee or wants to get into the business to you, what's like the one thing that you would say, we have to hold on to this, right? Maybe the branding's going to change. Maybe we don't have the horseshoe anymore. Maybe the heavy metals turns into techno pop for some reason. Like what's the one thing of a brand you feel like you would hold on to that's important for brands to hold on to when they're getting started? Uh, you have to have the absolute highest quality product you can source yeah. ever. Yeah. And I will always be at Stumptown if we have the highest quality coffee. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that we do. Yeah. Um, I think that is the absolute one thing that you cannot compromise mm -hmm. if you're making things for other people. It better be the best thing that you can make for anyone and your pursuit should be of that best thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody on our green team does. And that's why everybody treats our coffee the way it does when it rolls in through the doors. And that's why when we're in talking about branding and marketing, we're going down weird things where we're talking about experience and all this like very conceptual heady shit yeah. is because it's so high quality that I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna like try to slap a logo on something and schlep it out to a bunch of people yeah. you know that's that's all you have yeah <laughs> that's all you have is the the quality of your product so yeah. don't compromise that yeah i this is this made me remember a different question so now i'm adding an extra question okay. in as far as product goes you came up with holiday cheer what was the and i totally agree we say a lot like Mar good marketing can't fix bad product, mm -hmm. right? It's like, there's nothing you can do because at some point people are just gonna be like, it's not good, no yeah. matter how great your photos and things are. Yep. What is, when you guys were trying to come up with a new product or new flavor or new like kind of, flavor is the wrong word, but like interpretation of cold brew, what's the worst one that you guys tried where they were like, let's see if like, mm -hmm. I don't know, green bean cold brew works <laughs> and it was terrible. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff that we tried to do that operationally was just like a why and yeah. what were we thinking. Yeah. Um, I think we did a Thai ice cold brew that was really difficult to keep consistent across our cafes. Yeah. Uh, that's more of an operational challenge. Yeah. Um, I think we learned a very great lesson this last year with sparkling cold brew. Yeah. And I would say that out of the three flavors that we offered at the beginning of the year, uh, the two that we're discontinuing next year, and I won't get into details, yeah. so not to shoot myself in the foot, yeah. um, but you'll see them kind of vanish over time and that will be the answer. And that will be the learning lesson there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll check yeah. the fridges here and see what's stocked. <laughs> um, yeah, so last question, just as a, as a good outro. Um, let's say you get to have dinner with three people anyone that you want to be there. You guys are having a great time. You're an amazing restaurant in Portland or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Who are the three people? Oh my gosh. Right? These, these are celebrities. These are, so these are philosophers. These are your favorite rapper. These can be, <laughs> these can be whoever. Oh yeah, that's actually good. That's actually good. Um, gosh, I, I'd like to have dinner with, uh, I'd say like Sarah Silverman. Okay. Because I think she's, obviously hilarious, but mm -hmm. also she's very thoughtful. She's an engaging person. Yeah. Um, and I would say maybe like Bjork, cause she's just 
what is Bjork? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be insane? Yeah. Also with Sarah Silverman, I'm yeah. sure. That what would kind be... of, like, what would you get? <laughs> what kind of dynamics? Unless would she would there? just, like, make fun of Bjork, like, <laughs> try to, like, push her buttons the whole time. I'm sure they would get along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he said rapper, and now I, like, can't get that out of my head. I mean, I would go for like Killer Mike. Dang. Or, yeah. He would bring like a high level. It would be good. Uh, yeah. Could you imagine the type of world problems we could? You try could to solve, solve. <laughs> Killer Mike, Sarah Silverman, <laughs> Bjork, three? and yourself. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. I mean, it'd be pretty. Good. I feel like he's so, especially now, like in the last year, how much he got involved in like yeah. hanging out with like Bernie Sanders totally. and like being interviewed on CNN, and I feel like he's yeah. he's amazing. He's what like Andre three thousand would be if he wanted to talk more or like he wanted to be more in the press totally. i don't know just just a guess i have no clue um well thank you so much yeah for taking the time thanks for coming to portland yeah yeah we're, we're happy to be here this is uh of the three of us two of us haven't been here before oh. so we're experiencing like it's raining outside which is everything yeah. portland ever promised to me <laughs> yes it so, is so yeah typical day here yeah awesome <laughs> well thanks very much yeah thank you guys uh, hey guys, be sure to check us out on shapeshiftreport.co as well as wearematblack.co and all handles at shapeshiftreport. See you next time.